there's no doubt that the old politics of the two-party system is now gone and over. I don't need lectures from you or anybody on, on the Sinn Féin side of the house. We're very reluctant to kind of say what's red lines, but, but we do have to take climate seriously. There's going to be constant criticism, there's going to be a lot of disappointment, and whoever goes into government is going to be unpopular. Okay. Hello and welcome to your politics podcast from RTE News. I'm Sandra Hurley and I'm joined by not one, but two political correspondents this week. Paul Cunningham just in the door. How are you, Paul? I am very good. I was breaking some news there, so sorry. Oh, of for course, the delay. yeah. We'll check out that big story shortly. Exactly. And uh, Michal Lahan, how are you? Good, good. Great. Well, we're going to get to the business of the week in a moment, but first, I wanted to test both of your political knowledge because I've decided. I anticipated this question. Oh, I've decided uh-oh. that Michal is going to answer no. both questions. Oh, no. there's, there's three. Don't three. worry. You can all have a go. How about if you ask Hybrid. all three? I'll choose the one that I want, okay. and then he takes the other two. Hmm. Yeah. How does that work? I don't know. <laughs> move in, move in. Um, well, there was a media and political table quiz this week organised by some of our colleagues in RTE News and they raised €25,000 for the Irish Red Cross for Ukraine. But there were some really tough political questions and uh, neither of you were there because you're so dedicated to news reporting. Working, you, you, yeah. you, you couldn't possibly Work, pull yeah. yourselves okay. away. But mm-hmm. OK, here's a question for you. Here's this a prelim question for you, Sandra, to, before we get to that base. Whoops. If you walk into the Doyle, and on the left hand and right hand side, you've got paintings of patriots. Who is the first picture on the left hand side that you see? See, like if you don't get this one right, then I don't think it'd be unfair yeah. for her to ask us, saw this on the way to ask in, us you questions. Yeah, you just saw Arthur that. Them, right? okay. So we just have to okay. move on. Okay, I didn't know that one, but here's a really easy one for you. Fianna Fáil was founded in 1926. What was the name of the venue for the meeting? It was a it was an opera place, wasn't it? Was it was a, a I don't know, I'll be straight getting up. warm. Does it does it have La Scala or something? Well yeah. well done. Yeah. Well done. That's one yeah. one point for Michal, the La Scala I think the are bored by <laughs> Michal's brilliance at this stage. <laughs> okay, here's here's this this one will be open to everyone. So the the Healy Rays. <laughs> does that mean? Healy any, Rays and you're any, anyone could get this question, Paul. So we'll, we'll put this one over to you. The Healy Rays. So you're asking a Kerry uh, Kerry correspondent. No, no, about it, Kerry politician. Kerry correspondent. Wait, wait for the question. The Healy Rays are one set Kerry. of siblings in the doll. We've had eleven others. Can you name, say, three of them? The O'Rourke's. Yep. And then you've got the brothers who aren't brothers, the Moynans. Yeah. Both from Cork, but yeah, yeah. Not. Northwest. Yeah. Mm. Former Taoiseach? Oh, the Cowns, of course. Cowns. Oh, yeah, but yeah. not at the same time. The same but time. yeah. Oh. Kits. Yes. <laughs> Still got a former Taoiseach. Come on. Clock's ticking. Um, I'd say this is riveting. Oh, the Brutons, the Brutons, <laughs> of course. <laughs> the Brutons, yeah, yeah. The Brutons. And, and uh, yes. Bertie and Noel Hearn. Oh, God. Okay, well, the two correspondents look bored here. So, so we're going to move go for this. Yeah. Well, yeah, we weren't on any team. We would have dragged down their markings <laughs> super yeah, fast. Most people had a sport deficit, but enough said about that. Yeah. So, uh, Miho, let's get back to business. Is there any? What's the third one? Oh, do you want the third Actually, one? Uh, okay. Uh, in the 1990 presidential election Ooh, on the Rodney Morris show. More your vintage. <laughs> That's over to Paul then. Podrick Flynn. Podrick Flynn made his infamous to, comment. To business, yeah. Yes, New about Mary Robinson. In the family. Yeah. Newfound interest in her family. What politician on that radio show intervened to take Podrick Flynn to task? I don't know. Ooh. Yeah, that's a tough one. So people to be, remember the moment. 
But was it a labor then? Nope. No. Gosh. Michael McDill. I was going to say, for some reason, Michael McDill. Did you not hear that? Yeah, yeah, I could see it in your eyes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You you had the answer. (laughs) Right. That's really mean of you. Yes, sorry about that. I've got more, but we'll leave it for now. Damn. So, back to the business of the week. So, it's been a bit of a quiet one in Leinster House. Michal, a lot of the politicians away. What's going on? Yes, the World Economic Forum, the Taoiseach and the Tanisha there, then the Public Expenditure Minister Michael McGrath in New York for a trade mission. But let's not fret. This was the week of the Upper House. This was the week where Mark Daly ran the show. The US visitors arrived, the Congress, the people from the Congress, Richard Neal among them, spoke to the Upper House uh, at some length. uh, And Mark Daly spoke about having and hearing the biggest and seeing the biggest standing ovation he'd ever seen. So the Shannon took control of the Iraq, this really. It was where the visitors were brought to. It ran the show for the week, so nothing to worry about. It was a bit of a coup, though, for Mark Daly and the Cahirlach, um, who did happen to have first member of Congress to address the Shannon's in the existence of 100 years. Um, and it was did something anyone, of I a... I know, it was. It was. It was did anyone ever ask before? Maybe they just didn't have the smarts, eh? <laughs> um, so, I mean, I think it was. It was something. I mean, there was uh, certain echoes of what... Um, the congressman had to say he'd said on a few days before yeah. that so yeah, it wasn't th- as there's if been the, many days of the same message yes, being said and, um, but nonetheless it still was interesting to be there in the chamber and um, there was cross party support for the delegation to be there as you'd expect and I remarked to a couple of the um, delegation afterwards saying it must be really nice when everyone says you're fantastic um, and there was a sort of a wry smile and one of them said we're no fools so um, they know that this as is they were heading a, north. as they were heading north um, to maybe get a different type of reception. But it nonetheless came in the same week that the Dutch um, Prime Minister Mark Rutte on his fourth term in office also swung by to um, give total and complete support to the Irish government's position in the context of the Northern Ireland Protocol and saying, um, giving some rugby terminology, talking about how he would stand shoulder to shoulder with Ireland. And there wasn't any chink of light any um, in the defence, uh, 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 in the Irish defence. And I think even though this is a, a long battle, and as our Europe editor Tony Connolly has been talking about, that this the um, UK government is playing a very long game. And so this is going to be sort of um, a, a nutritional warfare. And um, this was a good week insofar as you, you have good weeks where there w- weren't any chinks. This was... Um, getting firm backing. And what did you make of Richie Neal's speech in the Shannad uh, meal? Yeah, I think like it was a very clear speech and it was a very resolute speech. Uh, and it is that Irish America standing by Ireland and everyone in the Shannad and indeed Simon Coveney earlier as well, expressing gratitude for that. Uh, but as a, as a piece of diplomacy, it wasn't quite where uh, the likes of George Mitchell would be. It was uh, kind of essentially the message is we have your back on this one, but perhaps uh, if someone, and there was talk of perhaps the need for a special envoy, I think the message would uh, probably have to be slightly more nuanced uh, if it was to be uh, pitched towards finding a resolution. Yeah, I think that's right. To a certain extent, what we had here was um, the Irish caucus saying we back Ireland. But if it was to be the case, and uh, Congressman Neil, Chairman Neil, had been talking about how he had asked both the previous president, President Trump, and this president, President Biden, to make that appointment because he felt that was the way in which you were able to bring people together. Um, and I think certainly there was an awful lot of nodding in the Shannon chamber when they were talking about these are difficulties we think can be ironed out and ironed out quickly. There was a sense that maybe it is far more domestic um, politicking in Westminster that is holding up some form of a resolution here rather than any issue in the deal itself and the minutiae of the agreement. 
So the Taoiseach and the Taunish though way at the World Economic Forum, Mary Lou MacDonald in London, Pascal Donoghue abroad, Michael McGrath in America. We had Dar O'Brien taking leaders' questions yesterday. I'm told it wasn't his first time, it was the second time, but it was quite a combative encounter. Swagger. Mm. Swagger, yeah. North Dublin swagger to it. He was delighted. Yeah, on the housing issue, as you'd expect, that's what uh, Sinn Féin's Pierce Doherty raised. Um, probably a draw as a result. There is always a combative nature to, to Darrell O'Brien's contributions and a particularly uh, acerbic uh, swing at the Sinn Féin housing policy proposal, not for the detail in it, but he said the fact that it had about eight uh, pages, he claimed, of pictures of Ono Bren drinking cups of coffee. So of 16 pages. Out of 16, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but I mean, there is no doubt about it, given the rising prices of housing uh, and given the rising rents as well and the ongoing problems, housing kind of returning unsurprisingly once again centre stage in the doll this week and government again uh, sticking to things like the affordability scheme and the fact that the number of commencements uh, this year uh, are comparable with, you have to go far back as 2007, 2008 but it doesn't uh, address the short term crisis and they remain under pressure on that one and they will do. Um, another issue we've heard a lot about in the doll today, Paul, is about places for children with special needs. There's big shortfall this year, but the government seems to have made a, a bit of a mess over the past day on the delivery here. Uh, and there's a lot of confusion going on. Yeah, I mean, I think Labour's Duncan Smith really got stuck into the government on this one because it was an overnight announcement in relation to um, this issue. And then there was sort of a walk back, or that's how it seemed to be, from Leo Varadkar in the Doyle, which raised the question, why didn't they have the ducks in a line before a change in policy was going to be announced? Um, Tanish de Varadkar was very keen to point out that when it came to um, children with autism or other difficulties, that they wanted to have them integrated into um, classes with enough SNAs there. If it wasn't possible to have them integrated in classes in mainstream schools, there would be um, a special class for them. And then outside of that, that um, Minister Magan... Madigan was prepared to use special powers to compel schools that weren't getting the finger out on this issue. And that, he was stressing, was, you know, the government's policy. But that didn't really sit well with what Minister Madigan, Madigan herself had been um, saying the previous night. Um, and so uh, he got stuck into, um, I'm talking here about Duncan Smith, got stuck into government saying, I don't understand simple things like, where are these special schools in Dublin going to be? How far away are the children uh, going to be from the schools? How are they going to get there? Why was it announced like this? Why was such distress caused to the families? And um, there wasn't a particularly good answer coming from the Thonish. So what he did say was that there was a meeting ongoing just as leaders was taking place and he didn't want to say in more in case he muddy the water given some difficulties had already been um, caused by the manner of the presentation. But to a certain extent, the old adage, if you're explaining, you're losing. And that's certainly what happened in leaders' questions today. Yeah, and by the time the Thonister was speaking uh, down near the IFSC in the last hour or so, he wasn't mentioning these emergency schooling uh, measures at all. It was things like the mainstream schools within classes or then special classes yeah. or then things like home tuition, which... One suspects uh, what Josepha Madigan did last night does now seem to be out of kilter, it seems, with government policy. And that's as a result of the very strong reaction uh, from the advocate groups for people with autism and other extra needs. Uh, it does seem extraordinary, though, that this issue has been there and it has been there for several years now. And it was Conor McMorrow's report on primetime recently about a family who had to wait those three years uh, to get uh, basic education needs for their children. But they have got them as a result of that primetime programme. And suddenly, uh, as a result of the focus that that has brought on the system, uh, government 
in the form of the junior minister with responsibility for this, seemed to make a huge announcement to the Irish Times last night, but has now had to roll back. And when I put it to Leo Varadkar in the last hour or so, that notwithstanding the investment he speaks about, to use the type of language that was used last night, uh, clearly would, and this is the view of the advocacy groups and some of the opposition, suggest that perhaps the government didn't get it, didn't get the scale of this. And given the, the reaction this afternoon, given the apparent change in approach now, I think that that does seem to be a fair criticism. Yeah, I mean, it was, wasn't just um, Labour who were raising this. Gary Gannon and the Social Democrats raised it. So too did Shane, Sinn Féin in the actual Doyle Chamber. And outside of the Doyle Chamber, there were Fianna Fáil deputies who uh, didn't take very long to say that they were very unhappy about how the Fine Gael minister had handled this as well. So there was rancour um, outside of government, but also internally. It, it does seem, given the scale of the crisis that it sparked last week, given that it was the Taoiseach who was put centre stage because he had raised it three years earlier during his time in opposition. Apologise to the family for and having to, yeah, to wait that long. The nature of the apology, but the nature of last night's intervention then, when the Taoiseach is out of the country from a junior minister, again suggested that they, perhaps there was a lack of cohesion from the government on this. And what about passports then, Paul? We're hearing so much about passports. It was a big issue last night at the Fine Gael uh, Parliamentary Party Paul's always party going meeting. abroad. He's his passport always ready. <laughs> so many stamps. He needs double passports. <laughs> this is true. And um, yeah, loads of statistics. So one thing is that um, according to Simon Coveney, the Minister of Foreign Affairs and now Minister for Passports, um, 1.4 million passports are going to be delivered by the um, department and by the passport service this Tomorrow. year. Tomorrow. And that's going to be 500 uh, million more than has ever done before. The previous record was 900,000, that they're issuing 5,000 passports a day at this stage, that they have upscaled, they've brought in staff, they are delivering, delivering, delivering. And yet, on the other hand, you've got huge rancour within his own party that um, this is a problem they're getting at the neck from the constituents. Um, I saw, I think it was Nicola Anderson from the Irish Independent had one woman who was saying she was dialing up um, the passport office 125 times in one day, trying to find out what happened to uh, the passport for her infant son because it is the new passports, the first timers, that's where the real issue lies. So on the one hand, you're getting big stats that, uh, you know, headline figures from the minister, but down on the ground, um, this is a bad one. And Michal, one of the things the government has been saying, we've heard from Simon Coveney and Leo Varadkar, is pointing to people filling out forms wrong. They're saying 40% of passport problems are because people fill the forms out wrong. Are, are they trying to get off the hook on this? Yeah, Leo Varadkar is saying again this afternoon that 40% suggests the problem is with the form, that it typically it's about 5% of people So it's the fill form's form. fault, not the so, people. Yeah, so they're going to look at the forms to see can they make them more straightforward or, or change them in some way. Apparently, government also looking at speeding up that link between Gardaí and the passport office, you know, where passports have to be authenticated. So there's a breakdown in communications there sometimes. So that seems to be one of the areas they're looking at. And also moving all the renewals exclusively online. So that could only be done online. That's a possibility as well, because that is the part of the system that works well. It's the first time passports, it seems, is causing all the bother. Of course, there's a political frustration too among TDs, because particularly rural TDs, it was a really important thing to be able to deliver a passport quickly for a constituent to bring it home on the Friday evening. Pathacope Gallagher was the expert uh, in this area, uh, renowned for it. But of course, there's a cap now on the number of passports that TDs uh, can deliver. So that, that's adding to the sense of frustration. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Leo Bradford saying too that his office at the moment, his constituency office in Pascaldon, who agreeing with that, it's about 40% of the queries going into their offices are passports. And that, that would be extremely rare, particularly in a Dublin context too. 
I mean, outside of the political bubble, people might be um, find it strange that you would often see TDs with huge wadges of passports in their hands, bringing them down to the car yeah. after having rescued them from the embassy. Never to be forgotten, Paul. Never <laughs> well, that to be forgotten. That was the point. This was something real <laughs> yeah. you could deliver. Instead of talking all of that policy bookum, yeah. I'm told she there was a place was in Leinster House you could bring delivered. the passports or yeah, the, yeah, a collection yeah. point. Yes. But Pat the Cope, Gallagher used to go around on one of the Dublin City bikes, fill up the basket and bring them back and then put them into the car for Donegal. There you go. Here's a bit of a left field question for you. So we're watching everything that's going on with Boris Johnson in the UK at the moment. The Sue Gray report has come out. There's been a series of parties, all the revelations about the red wine everywhere and going on to 3 or 4 a.m. Not just the red wine. Yes, not just everywhere. the red wine. Exactly. And uh, there's he's still there. Would a prime minister here still be holding on or is our political system different? They just don't seem to have the appetite at the moment. But it seems incredible to an outsider that he's still managing to hold on yeah. and have some control in his party. I think it was very clear from the moment that um, Boris Johnson um, became, you know, Tory leader and prime minister was that he was, in, to a certain extent, uh, an echo of Donald Trump, that there was so much going to be going on um, so many things happening, so much of it crazy that um, media was never going to be able to latch on to stuff. There would be an event and then it would be superseded by an even bigger event or a bigger gaffe. And um, it uh, poses a particular difficulty for journalists who are trying to keep up to the minute um, to have the capacity to step back and be able to deliver a judgment as opposed to just keeping up, keeping up with the latest thing that's happened. Um, so at the moment, I don't see how what's happening in the UK could be replicated here. But um, maybe that's just we haven't met the right politician yet. If you look at Clifton in relation to this context Mm -hmm. alone, it would seem that a politician would have to would have to resign here. It does seem, which is unusual. Is it because we're a smaller country and people seem very engaged in politics here? I think relative to the UK, I think the PR um, issue of where it does not allow those massive majorities, like the eighty plus seat majority Mm -hmm. that Boris Johnson have, you're always. You know, scratching around, there's always um, a difficulty, um, any presumption to your electors, you could be turfed out. Um, So there was a time here, wasn't there, when resignations were far more rare and it was always said that they, if the, if it was a comparable event had happened in England, the minister would be gone. That does seem to have changed now that, that here uh, resignations do flow much quicker. We've seen a lot of them in recent years. Barry Cowan, Derek O'Leary, Dennis Nocton. It does happen on a far more frequent basis uh, to try and uh, quell a controversy. Well, that's what, maybe if there was a different Taoiseach than Micheál Martin, who was the person who was wielding the axe mm. in relation to those that... Um, Cleo Vragher did with, with, with Dennis Nocton. Yeah. It, it was there as well, yeah. So, um, I don't know. Maybe that's the thing. It's he or she who decides to adopt that strategy um, as leader and then who's going to stick with them or who's actually going to stand up I don't know I mean the very idea that he went in to say he was sorry and then started cracking cracking tractor jokes I mean, <laughs> only Boris could do it but that's the point but it's not funny anymore really in but some ways you know but that's the thing for I think to a certain audience who are disconnected not disconnected but sort of removed from politics they're not really interested in it he's the guy who delivered Brexit um, he's the guy who seems real he is the guy who you think you can relate to and we shouldn't get, you know, too worked up about it. And that type of presentation clearly works. 
And uh, Paul, just before we go, I know that you're going on a particular trip this weekend, if you want to tell us about it. Yeah, it's it's a fantastic um, opportunity to go and see the Defence Forces who are serving in southern Lebanon. Um, the Irish mission has been there for more than 40 years. There's about 350 soldiers um, serving there at the moment. And there's going to be a political visits. There's going uh, with the Taoiseach. There's going to be the chief of staff there as well. Um, and it's also visiting a country which has just had an election, but is in an absolutely dire situation politically with an awful lot of sort of um, things stuck. You've also got um, so many hundreds of thousands of Syrian refugees there in, in desperate circumstances. So it's a, a really interesting time to go and see Beirut. But um, Michal was unfairly um, relating to the fact that I'm really old. The last time I was down in southern Lebanon was in 1992 when I was doing okay. a radio report. So, yes, that was the last time I was there. So I'm looking forward 13, to going back. Trace it back. Okay, well, that's all we have time for this week. Thanks for listening to the Your Politics podcast. No more questions. No, no, no no more questions. I think we have enough. I I might save some for next week, maybe. (laughs) Keep it going, yeah. 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 So, goodbye until next week.